0: All right. Well, hopefully you, uh, you know, when you think about that, I'm sure we can all uh, come up with a ton of things when you think through the last year. Hopefully for you, there are some obvious highlights. You know, this time of year as... If you're anything like me, when you start taking the Christmas decorations down, you start to see the house kind of, or whatever, clear out, and it feels just cleaner, more simplified, uh, even when our Hallmark set is taken down, and it's a little simplified here for those of you who've been around. It's just something about that. It's, you know, we know at the end of the year is really just another day on the calendar, but there's something about it that really helps you kind of reflect and look forward on the year to come. And so that's what uh, we often do at the end of one year going into the next. So so we start off, you know, we just finished a series where we called Playlist, a Christmas playlist. And the question as I was thinking about for this morning is, what was your playlist for 2019? If you were to think of your theme for that year, what was that theme for you? What were some of the, the songs on your playlist? And, and inevitably for some, maybe there was some new relationships, some new friendships formed. Maybe a new job, maybe a new home, maybe a new school, new teachers. Uh, For you, uh, it could have been just something completely different. Maybe for some of you, it was the end of an era. Maybe you moved and it was the end of a time in a certain place. Some were end of a relationship, maybe even. Some of you, maybe you lost a loved one. And you think back on the 2019 and and our playlists often are, are affected by the things that happen So what was it for you? What was your playlist as we look at? And we think through our playlist. What we want to do is we also want, want to ask you the questions. How does your identity in Christ affect that playlist? Because really, a lot of things happen to us, but who we are, when we understand who we are in Christ, what God says about who we are, that can change the actual playlist that repeats through our mind over and over again. And so that's kind of what we're going to look at here today. But as we get started, I was thinking back at 2019. What are some cultural things that were part of the cultural playlist, things that were just inundated with? And I have a few images for you that maybe we're familiar with from this year. Here's one that is an image from this year, politics was on our playlist. I don't care what you think about politics, which side of which aisle or no aisle or whatever you want to be a part of, but certainly the playlist in our culture this year was politics and look at them getting along. So isn't that great? (laughs) What's next? Here we go. Next one. Women's soccer team world champions. Yeah, that's a good one. Part of the playlist, it was also, um, in many ways, uh, women had a lot of, for the, the, the most women ever were elected to our Congress. We had our most diverse Congress as far as racial and uh, gender in the history of our country. So there was uh, some breakthroughs there this year of, of 2019. Next one. Yeah, another iPhone. Another year, another iPhone. Uh, one of uh, my sons, he, he made a, a fake ad for the iPhone 50, and the whole back of it had nothing but cameras. So... <laughs> We expect one year it'll just be look like a spider or something. I don't know. But so that was, and then finally for this year. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, 20 years ago, no one would ever say that Yoda could ever be cute. But uh, for some reason, the end of this year, people looked and this apparently, I I just learned, you know, this is referred to as what do we call this, this, this image. What's that? (laughs) Yeah, Baby Yoda, but that's not his name. That's what everyone knows him by. But that's not Baby Yoda. It's just creepy little thing. Anyway, anyway. So, but yeah. So we end our year with this image here. This is like iconic. It's everywhere. If you don't know what that's from, turn on your TV, and uh, and you'll learn pretty quickly of just some of the things that images that we saw. So when we think back of the year that we just got through, often maybe for you, there's other kinds of images. There's other things that told your Story this year. And so, what I want to do is, as a church, we want to look at what what is our playlist for the year ahead? What is it that we want to be, not just as an organization, but then individuals? What does that mean for us? So, we want to take a moment to look at that. And I want to invite you to look in your Bibles in Luke chapter 19. If you uh, prefer to use a digital version, that's fine, and if you just like to listen, that's okay too. Uh, The book of Luke is about two-thirds, maybe even a little bit more than that, in your Bibles and what we call the New Testament. And this is a story in Luke chapter 19. If you've been around Seacoast, you've probably heard me teach on this before. In fact, last time I taught it, I believe I was sitting on top of the stage up there in a tree branch, Uh, but I want to read this for you in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. It says Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through. There was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable to because of the crowd and because he was small in stature. So, he ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus for he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, "Zacchaeus, hurry and come down." For today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and he came down and he received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to your house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. As we look and think through this story, I think this story embodies who we want to be as an organization and who I believe God calls, and a lot of truth about God, what He wants us to know, and how we respond in this small little story. Now, we here at Seekos often say we exist to help people discover life in Christ. Our heart's desire is that we may all understand what it means to know Jesus and to walk with Jesus as he uh, as that identity affects every walk of our lives. But we have three phrases that we use to kind of break that down. What does it look like for us as we help discover life in Christ? And I believe these apply to us as an organization as an individuals today for our playlist for 2020, and I wanted to start off and show you these phrases. The first one is this, we want to be a home for those lost and wandering in their faith. What we mean by that is anyone who has yet to discover life in Christ, or maybe grew up believing, maybe you believe, but just have kind of let life, as it happens, kind of wander away in your faith. And we want to be a church that's a home for those lost and wandering. And when I say church, I don't just mean what happens here on Sundays. Certainly, I include that. That is part of it. But the church is you and me together. As we go out and we live and exist in our community, the church is not a building. It's the gathering of people. And so we, as a gathering of people, want to be a home for lost and wandering. People lost and wandering in their faith. And as I thought about that, I thought, what does it really mean to and feel at home think of that what does it make what makes you feel at home? What does it look like? what does it feel like? I remember when uh, my wife and I first got married and she 's from the Northwest and uh, I was an army kid so lived kind of all over the country but My family, the roots are in uh, Minnesota, actually. I met someone from Minnesota this morning visiting out, and uh, so my roots are there, and I took my wife, we went back to Minnesota, and we went to visit, uh, you know, I have like 23 cousins and all kinds of aunts and uncles and just family living all over there, and we would. I said, "Hey, we're going to go over to this person's house." She goes, "Well, did you call them? Tell them ahead of time. Is it? Like, do they have enough notice that we're coming?" I said, "It's fine. It's Minnesota. We just tell him we're coming, and 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 we'll show up, and there'll be like a ham cooked for you, just." Any time of day or whatever. And so our family, you know, I'd call and they'd say, Yeah, come on over. Are, have you eaten yet? Well, yeah, three times. Like, that's fine. We'll feed you again. So, any Midwesterners, you know how it is. In fact, someone last service told me their family always had dessert set out kind of all day long. So you could just eat as you go. Then you had dinner and then you had dessert. And I was like, That sounds like my grandparents' house. But that's kind of the Midwest. But when I think of that is it makes they make you feel at home even if it's not your house. And there's something about saying, be welcome here. You're welcomed in. And it doesn't matter if you haven't been here before. It doesn't matter what walk of life you're from. When you are a guest, you are at home. And when we think of we want to be home for lost and wandering in their faith, there's a lot of, uh, many of us have been on that side of lost and wandering. Many of our family, our friends. And we want to be a place that says, welcome home. Think of Zacchaeus in this story. He was a tax collector. See, a chief tax collector. Tax collectors were hated by the people. You can imagine why. The tax collectors were able to exact the tax that the Romans wanted from the people, but they could add on so that they could make a living. Tax collectors, in this case, Zacchaeus was known to be very rich We know that he was from the Jewish nation, he was one of them, so he essentially was working for the Roman government, the occupiers, so he was doubly hated. One, he was a tax collector, and he was working for the enemy. And so, imagine what that must have been like for someone like Zacchaeus to know that he was hated by his own people, rejected by them. Those that did like him were probably either fellow tax collectors, or it was just because of his wealth, his status. It wasn't because a true, any kind of welcoming him in for who he was. What existence must have that been like for a tax collector in the time of Christ? To feel completely rejected. In this story, we find Zacchaeus likely being very hated. But he heard that Jesus was coming. And what else did he know about Jesus? He heard rumors that Jesus was was the Messiah, the rumored to be the Messiah, fulfilling prophecies. Likely he knew some of those prophecies. He also probably heard that one of Jesus' disciples was a guy named Matthew who happened to be a tax collector. Could it be that when Zacchaeus heard this, he thought, could I too maybe be welcomed in by this rabbi? Could it be that me being rejected by my own people could have someone look at me and make me feel at home? I believe in the story. Zacchaeus was so intrigued about who Jesus was because he heard rumors and thought, maybe this could, he would welcome me in. And he climbs a tree to see him. And I've shared the story before, but I love the imagery of sitting in a tree and Jesus walking towards him and looking up at him. And I have an idea that Jesus would have just had his big smile on his face, maybe even laughing at the sight of this short, rich tax collector standing out above the crowd. And Jesus looks at him with a smile. Hey, Zacchaeus! Was Zacchaeus hiding behind branches thinking, oh, I hope he doesn't see me. I hope he doesn't see me. I hope no one sees me up here. He says, Zacchaeus, come on down. Come down. Because today, I'm going to your house. That was a symbol of saying, I am comfortable with you. I want to eat with you. You are welcome with me, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus runs down. As a church, as individuals, we want to be a home for people lost and wandering. We don't want to be a church that says, hey, oh, you don't believe what we believe? You don't live the way we think you should live? Then you don't belong here. No, no, no. We want to change that narrative. You hear us talk about that often because Jesus changed that narrative for you and for me. We want to change that narrative for everyone else. So wherever walk of life you're from, you are welcomed in. The love of God is poured out for you. Jesus is inviting you in. So we want to be a home for those lost and wandering. So think of your 20. 20 playlists. How can you be a home for others? What is it that maybe in your life needs to change the way you think, the way you behave? It might even be something practical. Maybe your first step is to say, hey, I want to partner with Seacoast in helping you do that. Always, you can jump in, join us with our greeters team, make coffee. If, if you don't like people, join our security team and, and just you know want, help us make a safe, welcoming environment that way. <laughs> Help out in the parking lot. There's many ways. But let's create an environment where people feel at home. Another step would be in your own life. What are the people in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood? How can you make them feel at home and let them know that according to our God, according to what we believe about Jesus, is nobody is outside of his reaching arms. Nobody. is so far that he, his arms don't stretch out to reach them. The next saying we have is this. We want to be a family of disciples being transformed by the good news of Jesus. We want to be a family of disciples who are being transformed by the good news of Jesus. There's a couple phrases in there that are important. The first one is this family of disciples. To be a family, that means that you are known and you know others. So we want to be a group of people where we know one another. The best way to do that is not here in this big room, but it's actually why we want you to connect with people in smaller groups. We have life groups. We have many different Bible studies. uh, Why our, our youth ministry and our kids ministry are surrounded. They're designed around groups so that they can know their leaders. They can know one another. We want to be a family. And we know that every family has the oddball. There are Oddballs in every family. If you can't think of one in your family, it's probably you. All right? So just just know. <laughs> but every family has that person, but that person is still family. They're invited in. They're welcome to be a part of that family. That's the kind of church that we love to be. I'm so encouraged by how many of you are already connecting in groups. We believe that that's the best way to care for one another. When you're known and you know others with all of your peculiarities. And so a family of disciples, disciple, this means a follower of Jesus. So that's what we want to be. We also want to be that, the second part of that, who are transformed by the good news of Jesus. We believe fully here that we are changed because of what God has done, not because of what we can somehow do to please him. We believe because we, the more we rehearse and understand our identity, that Christ loved us so he gave himself up for us, the more that he reaches out and forgives every one of our sins today, tomorrow, and forever, That that identity goes deep into who we are. When we think of our identity, too, I think of every family has an identity. Maybe growing up, you had family ever tell you, maybe one of your parents said, hey, that's not how we behave as our family. Anyone ever hear something like that? Maybe you preach that to our kids. That's not what we do. I remember when... Our kids were really young. We still had a paper dictionary and, and one of them, they, he was just starting to play sports and, and we told him, hey, if you sign up, you, can, you can't quit. You have to play the whole season. You have to go to all the practices and because and, that's how we are. And I took our paper dictionary and I, t- I went to the word quit and I literally cut it out of the dictionary. I, I cut it out and one day he wanted to quit and I was like, well, I don't even know what that word means. Look at the dictionary. Go find the word. And he found the word. He goes, quit's not in here. And I said, that's right. It's not in here because that's not what we do. That's not who we are. We don't quit. It's not part of our identity. And so the important part about family is we have to have an identity. So as a church, we want to rehearse our identity over and over again. And our identity is because of what God, who God says we are. We are sons and daughters of God. I was looking through John chapter 15 and 16, and there's all these identity statements that Jesus says That I want to just throw them out for you so you can hear them. In verse 3 of John 15, he says that you are clean. You're forgiven for your sins because of what Jesus has done. In verse 5, if you abide in Christ, he says you may have fruit. You can produce fruit because of the work of Christ in you. It's not your power. It's his power. Um, That you are empowered to love one another in verse 12. Verse 26, that you have the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go through life alone. That there's comfort and peace and storms. That you can have joy and your joy, the joy of God can be made full in you. Verse uh, 11 and sixteen, twenty-two as well. In verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 23, it says that we can go to God in prayer. That we can ask of our Father anything. That again, he doesn't leave us alone. Our identity, we're told in verse 27 of chapter 16, that we're loved by the Father. Do you know this morning you are loved by God? No matter what you've been up to. No matter what lies you've been telling yourself, whatever playlist is going through your mind, whatever playlist other people are saying is true about you, this morning I want you to know that God loves you and he has a plan for you and he cares about you. And you are not outside of his reach. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it says that you may have peace and that though in the world you will have many trials. Jesus Christ has always already overcome the world. That there's a future hope for us. So our identity is this world is not all there is either. But there's a new day coming. When we think of being a family of disciples, think of for you, what will 2020 look like for you? One, it might be taking a step and being known a little bit more. And I know for some of you that's a very scary thing. So, you know, you could take baby steps. There's different ways that you can get involved and and be known. Maybe for some of you, this year, in 2020, you need to rehearse your identity in Christ. You need to study more scripture so that this gets into your head, that you don't go through hearing the lies that are told about you. Some of you walk through life feeling shame and guilt every day and what you're rehearsing is, my identity is not worthy, not worthy, not worthy. When Jesus says, when you receive me, you are my worthy child. You're so worthy that I died on the cross for you. Rehearse that identity one way to rehearse it is get involved in understanding the, the scriptures. Read them. We provide for you five times a week. We send it out in an email, different one chapter a day to read. The year coming up, we're going to go through what's called the story of the Bible. It's 11 Old Testament uh, uh, books and then a few from the New Testament that tells the whole narrative of the Bible. With one chapter a day, maybe for some of you, you just need to rehearse that. Rehearse it, that truth. Over and over. Maybe for some of you, your first step is to wake up every day and say, God, I thank you that I am a son or daughter of you. That you love me. That you've forgiven, forgiven me. And nothing I can do can outdo your love. Maybe if that's just start there. Rehearse your identity. Understand who you are this year in 2020. Our third statement is this. We want to be a movement of people blessing the neighborhoods in which we live and work and play. (laughs) And when we talk about this, what does this mean? That we are people that want to be a blessing in the neighborhoods in which we live and work. This means not just where you live. It means where you work. I also think of it as the network of influence. I I play basketball in the gym a couple times a week. That's one of my neighborhoods. Uh, I coach in Little League. One of my neighborhoods is the Little League. Um, For some of us, also our neighborhoods are not just here in Encinitas, but to the ends of the earth. Why we invest in missions, why we take care of, we support people and send people to the ends of the earth. We believe that where we go, we want to be a blessing to other people. As an organization, why you hear us so often talk about love Encinitas, because we believe God has placed us here. We should love our city. Now, if you're from Solana Beach or Carlsbad, or you're from uh, Del Mar or any of those, we love your city too. We want you to love your city, but God has placed us as an organization here. That's why we have our main phrase for the last six years has been love Encinitas. Because we believe if God has transformed us, that should be a blessing to others. I've often said the good news is not just good news for you and for those who believe. If the good news of Jesus actually takes hold in our lives, that is good news for everyone. Because we become people who are a blessing who are changing or allowing God to change us and therefore affect others. Think of Zacchaeus. Look at his response. He's changed by Jesus. Again, was it something Zacchaeus did? No, it's what Jesus did. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to you. And his heart was transformed. What's his first response? I'm going to take half of all I had to give to the poor. Now that's an extreme example. But when your life is transformed by Jesus, then you can be a blessing to others. You're now free to not say this life is only about me. It's only about what I get. It's only about protecting my identity or my kingdom. It's about something bigger. And now he's set free to live and to respond. So as we're transformed by the good news, we actually become a blessing to others around us. Why else would as a church... We invest so much of our time. We, we invest, and in, in I, I love hearing from those in a community of community research center. Not a Christian organization, but the CEO constantly reminds me of how grateful he is for the people at Seacoast who twice a week uh, work the food bank down there and kind of run the food bank. It's the Seacoast people who have been transformed by Jesus and therefore are blessing their community. Why a group of you are investing in the lives of high school students at Sunset High School and Alternative High School. Why do we do that? Because as we've been transformed by Jesus, we want to be a blessing to those. And the teachers and the principal have constantly told us the difference you have made on their campus. Our Casa de Amistad after-school tutoring program, tutoring elementary kids who are English language learners. Why do we do that? We want to be a blessing to our community. We want to help these kids have a better future because of what Christ has done for us. So as an organization, maybe when you think of 2020, you could jump in with some of those things and the many others that we do loving our city. In fact, in February, we do our annual community serve day. We don't show up here on Sunday morning. We go throughout our community and we serve. We cancel that day. I've had other pastors say, well, how do you take offering that day? We say, we don't. We give that day. We give to our city. It's fine. God will take care of us and he always does. But why? Because we believe as we've been transformed by the good news, just like Zacchaeus, we are people of peace transforming our world. How about as an individual? How can you be a movement of people? Who are the people, the neighborhoods and networks in your life that you can be a blessing? Maybe it's just through being a light in your workplace on a softball team you play on. Maybe on the stands on the side of flag football or soccer. Maybe it's volunteering in your classroom and loving the teacher who teaches your kids. What are the ways that you can be a blessing? Maybe right in your own neighborhood. We all have those neighbors that we can bless. What can you do this year? Maybe family members. I loved one of our life groups last year. Matt and Paige, uh, their life group last year, they did a thing called uh, Chili and Chill in their neighborhood. And their Chili and Chill thing was they essentially took their life group and said, let's just do a party for our neighborhood. And they cooked a bunch of chili, invited all their neighbors, and just had a party. And say, we just want to bless you guys. They're like, well, who are all you people? Oh, it's just a bunch of people from our church. We're just here to just kind of have fun with you. And they've developed these relationships where they've been praying for different neighbors, stepping in and helping out in different, different ways. Something super simple, had nothing to do with Seacoast sponsoring it. It was people just saying, we've been transformed. How can we be a movement of people who love others? So when you think of 2020, what would that look like for you? I'm reminded again in John chapter, uh, actually now in 17, but it's one whole section. I already started reading part of that in 15. But Jesus is speaking to us and he says, hey, I'm sending you into the world. I'm sending you into the world that the world may know me. As you know me. See, we are not transformed by Jesus to just now sit in our little holy huddles, to be our club and keep it to ourselves. As we've been transformed, we want to see more and more, understand and know Jesus. What will that look like for you this year? So, as we end our time here today, and this morning we're intentionally shortening our services as a family service and holidays. As we end our time, I just want to end you with what will 2020 be for you? What is your playlist? What is it you most need to hear? What, does, what are the songs that need to change? What is God speaking to you this morning that you just need to learn to accept instead of keep rejecting that truth? What is it? And as we end, we're going to sing one final song. And it's an older song. The song is it's Be Thou My Vision. And the song, when we sing it, What it's really saying is, God, we want to see what you see. We want to understand the world the way you understand the world. We want to believe about ourselves, what you say is true. We want to believe about our world, what you say is true. God, we want what you want, not just us. So as we end this and we think about the year ahead, what is your playlist? And does it match up with what God sees? So, I invite you to stand with us as we sing this last one. And just pray with me as we get started. God, we thank you this morning. Just as Zacchaeus was on the outside, just as Zacchaeus was unworthy of you based on anything he did, God, you invited him in. God, you pursued him just like you pursue each one of us. And Lord, it wasn't his actions that saved him, it was yours. He just said yes. And Lord, as he was changed by that good news that he rehearsed in his mind, Lord, it changed his very way he lived. And Lord, we ask this morning that the more and more we see you and believe in you and understand you, that God, you would change us. That the world may be blessed because of you through our lives. Because of your power and your work. And Lord, now. We sing this last song. Let it be our prayer to you. Let our vision be yours. Lord, we want what you see. We want your eyes. We want your heart. So we thank you and give you this time now in Jesus' name. Amen.